Hello and welcome. This is the first edition of the Intermission Sports UCL podcast. My name is Rachel Ponce, and I'm joined with three guests. Please introduce yourselves. What's up, guys? I'm Miles, a writer for the Intermission, as well as covering the women's soccer team at UF for the Alligator. Hey, guys. My name is Ray Bant. Um, I'm writing for the Intermission, too, just focusing on soccer. Um, and Chelsea is my focus. Hey, guys. I'm Rania, and I'm also writing for the Intermission, and my focus is Real Madrid. Ooh. All right, so we got a really nice schedule of games coming up right now. Tuesday and Wednesday is our fixtures that we're focusing on right now. For Tuesday, we have RB Leipzig playing Liverpool, which is going to be a very interesting fixture. Right now, RB Leipzig is second in the Bundesliga, and they're on good form, and they have a really good young core of talent. Three key players that I'd put on top of the list of players to watch that could change the uh, turn of this tide turn of this uh, tie is going to be Upa Meccano, who has recently uh, agreed on a transfer to Bayern. We have uh, Marcel Sabitzer. That man has an engine on him, and he's capable of world-class goals. Just look at that one, that ball he scored against Zenit, which is a beauty. And Yusuf Poulsen up top, the Danish striker. And uh, we have Liverpool also in the tie. Right now, their form is pretty much abysmal, but it's not just about you need to look deeper into their form because the amount of first team injuries we're missing the 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 best center back in the world well he was at the time before he got injured we're forced to be playing two two center mids henderson and fabinho who are very dominant in midfield at center back which is a big waste of our creativity and also our defensive shape and um we're not very uh we're not very liverpool-esque as of late but i feel like if we put all our eggs in the Champions League basket, I really feel we can go somewhere because we've won this competition and we have the quality. It's just about having the right mindset. I feel like Liverpool has gotten very complacent over this last season, dominating the Premier League, winning the Champions League, the league, the, 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 um, the season before. And I think three players that could change the shift of this tie would be Henderson and Fabinho, since they're pretty much our defensive pairing. And Fabinho is looking pretty good at center back because he's sacrificed his position for the good of the team, which is just commendable. The same as Henderson, because he's our captain. And obviously Mohamed Salah, who is top scorer of the Premier League right now. And despite what is going on on the rest of the team, he's still pulling his weight. As a matter of fact, I feel like he's carrying because he's got 16 goals in the Prem at the moment. And you know, he's just capable of quality anytime he steps on the pitch. So what do you guys think about this fixture? Um, well, I think that it's going to be an interesting one. I think out of all the fixtures in the last 16, I, I think this one has the potential to have the most fireworks. I, uh, we all know Liverpool's form as of late and also the struggle that, I mean, cops been going through as you know, it was of course. mom passed away from cancer. He wasn't even able to go to the funeral, which I can't even imagine how that has impacted. That was heartbreaking. And the press was just ready to jump on him saying that he's lost the plot, that he doesn't have the nerve to come back from this, not even knowing the full story. Because Klopp, you know, is such a, he's such a character and his emotional impact on the team is just as much as the tactical one. And I'm sure that since he's been hurting, the team has been hurting. But also, I mean, we know about their defensive woes as well as their offensive woes. But I mean, where I think... This, I think Leipzig will win, or I don't know if they will win, but I think an interesting thing that will happen in this is the game will be played on 
like Leipzig will try and play the game to the left because if you look at who have been scoring their goals, Angelino has scored four goals in the Bundesliga and three goals in the Champions League. He's also had four assists in the league and three assists in the um in the Champions League. So he's on stunning form right now. Has had seven goals and seven assists. And this week they uh, officially announced that they signed him on a permanent transfer from Manchester City, which I will never understand why Man City would let him go. But we Trent has not had the best defensive season at all. And if Leipzig are firing on all cylinders, you got Angelino there. You have Nkuku, who usually plays off the left, who has had one goal and two assists in the Champions League and four goals and two assists in the league. And I think that Leipzig will be able to definitely exploit um, the Liverpool defense in that way. No, I totally get you. Trent has become rather complacent this season, I think. But again, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. But from a visual standpoint, he's not... In the previous two seasons, he was looking like a, like a rejuvenated young Danny Alves in terms of his attacking output, but also his defensive stats, which people would say, oh, he's just an attacking right back. He should be a winger. But people don't understand that him and Robertson were irreplaceable in that team in terms of defensive and offensive output. But this season, his crosses have not been hitting the target. It's just been cross, cross, cross. And it's been, I'm not going to lie, it's been poor. And seeing that as a Liverpool fan, it makes me disappointed, but he's still very young. And this is a hard point in the team's cycle under uh, Jurgen Klopp, but every team has to go through a tough period because not everything is, not everything is just easy and nice. And the true the true way to mark a champion is how you get through these tough times. Yeah. But I think this might be too much for Liverpool. Like Leipzig, you know, they play, you know, they're three, five, two. And I think that the two forwards up top are going to give, be it Poulsen and whoever he cares with, like be it Sorloth or he Chang, he Chang Wong. But I think that, and I think they'll be able to create a lot of space and confuse the Liverpool defenders, be it whoever it is. And I think, that is the key for Leipzig in order to win the tie. Yeah, like um, just talking about Liverpool, they're they're not having a good few uh, few months really. Um, you know, every, like their defensive problems, like there's a reason for that. They've had so many injuries. Uh, you know, with Virgil out, like that pretty much ruins the defense anyways. But then they also got Joe Gomez and Matip out, so they've had to like struggle over there. So that's explainable. But I think something that's really hurt them recently is their offense. They're just not firing as well as they normally do. Like when you have Salah, Mane, um, and Firmino, yeah, like he doesn't score as much, but he's been playing well recently. So, but they haven't been able to score goals. Like they haven't won at Anfield for the past three games, which is like a record for a long time. So I think they just need to get some rhythm back. Um, you know, their Allison's looking nervy. Their, their team is just very unstable, and I think there's a lot of pressure on them, so they're just having, tr- like, trouble performing. Um, and when you look at Leipzig, they're, they're doing really well. Um, and they've got, like, good young players who are, you know, hungry. And, yeah, like, Angelino, which he's, to me, it's a surprise. Like, I always knew he had something in him, but um, the way he's performed at Leipzig is absolutely unreal. And... Um, yeah, I still don't understand why Man City let him go, especially for that uh, that price tag too. So, yeah, I think it was like 
in the 20, low 20s. Yeah, because they, they, they agreed on that when they let him go on loan, right? So, I mean, I guess, like, yeah, his value back then was lower, but it was still, it's very surprising. Um, but yeah, Liverpool, like for me, um, especially in the first leg, I don't think they have what it takes to really take a commanding league. At most, I can see them maybe getting a draw. Um, but I've got Leipzig for this um, just because, yeah, they're performing on all levels right now and they've got an amazing manager too. So um, yeah, Julian Nagelsmann really knows what he's doing. Exactly. And at that young age, it's very impressive. Exactly. And like, I mean, I, I, I don't like him that much right now because apparently he refused the, the Chelsea job and I would love him at Chelsea. <laughs> but you know what? Like, <laughs> I, I, I commend him for not doing it because he's having a great time over here. And I think like in a year or two, he might be like one of the, actually the top managers in the world and i think he'll be gunning for a lot better so um yeah but also like just go on liverpool um i know like fabinho's been really well but like apparently he's doubtful for this game because he yeah. and milner both didn't practice today um so if 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 fabinho's not playing either i don't think liverpool have even a shot if fabinho's missing and as much as it hurts to say me, I'd chalk off the first leg immediately. Because yeah, exactly. the amount of work that he does, the amount of tackles, his passing ability and range, and overall IQ of the game is, he's one of the best. At, at He's so good. I remember when he filled in for CB in the early meeting between Liverpool and Chelsea, he was, ter- Timo Werner was in his pocket. And for someone of Timo Werner's capability and the amount of speed that he has, for Fabinho to not only catch up to him, but not even not even, just to neutralize the fact that Warner's even there is commendable. And the fact that he's willing to just drop all his duties in the midfield just to drop back and to fit in the system just shows you what how important he is to this team. If he's doubtful, which he most likely is because of the injury, because he didn't feature uh, this weekend in uh, uh, Liverpool's loss to Leicester. Uh, I it's I find it I'll find it really hard for Liverpool to get something out of this. I won't doubt them because there's something about Liverpool on a Champions League night that's just unexplainable. We've seen some crazy ties just going back not even two years ago. That Barcelona game was probably the best moment I've ever lived in terms of pure joy. But it's just really hard for him to see, really hard for me to see Liverpool get something out of this, especially if Henderson's playing in the back, because when he's in the midfield, he just commands. He's a commanding presence. He might not be technically capable in terms of like your Modric's and De Bruyne's, but the amount of dirty work he does, his vocal, his vocal capabilities, do this, do that. Good job. Try that again. That's really important for Liverpool. And with our two new center back signings, Davies and uh, Kabak, I don't know if they're ready, especially to jump off in the deep end in the Champions League, but they might have to feature unless Klopp uses Nat Phillips or Reese Williams. I wouldn't be against Nat Phillips because he hasn't played bad since he's really got in the team, but I actually don't think Davies or Kabak should feature, at least not starting. Well, I think that... The way Leipzig play, I honestly, no matter who is going to be starting at center back, they're going to get exploited. Like, I'm looking at the who scored stats uh, right now. And if you look at the way Leipzig attack, 37% of their attacks are on the left side, 34% are on the right side, and only 29% are in the middle. So what's going to happen is they're going to play through the wings. They're going to spread out the fullbacks to, you know, Robertson and Trent, and then they're just going to switch it to the middle. And then the center backs are going to be more than exposed. And then that's how they're going to Definitely. Getting. Definitely. And with a, a manager who has such a sharp eye like Nagelsmann, he's definitely doing that into his players. And if I was Nagelsmann, I'd definitely tell my forwards to focus on that 
on their left wing because I don't think uh, Alexander Arnold is going to be able to cope. Robertson, on the other hand, has been very good for us, and he's got the capability to defend and attack. But I feel like we're going to be we're going to be without the ball most of the game. We're really going to Leipzig is going to control possession, in my opinion. Or if they don't, we're going to have a lot of possession, but we're not going to do anything with it, which we've seen in the Premier League, especially against teams like West Brom, Fulham, where we've drawn, but they just shut us down. We had the ball 60, 70 percent possession, but we do nothing with it. Yeah, it's it's going to be tough, but I I mean, I think if any team can overcome these odds, it might be Liverpool because, you know, they are, you know, the reigning Premier League champions. They've won the Champions League under Klopp. They've been at this stage before, but I just think way, they're way too weak right now, and I don't see them any way, shape, or form defeating um, Leipzig. Also, want to give a shout out to Leipzig for having not one but two ex MLS players, both Angelino and Tyler Adams, the young gods, both developed their talents in North America, which I think is is also really important for soccer over here. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Ryan, do you have any thoughts on this game? Uh, no, I just think that Leipzig is actually gonna is probably gonna take it because I mean they're on a hot streak. They're right behind Bayern in the in the Bundesliga standings. They're knocking on their door, um, and they're definitely coming back for revenge based on last year's uh, Champions League. So um, that's a good shot. They actually made it pretty deep in last year's run. Yeah, and they only lost to PSG, who at under- went to the final. Yeah, yeah, and they lost to Bayern. So no, I agree. It sounds like we're all locking in Leipzig to go through to the quarterfinals. Unfortunately, but <laughs> I always have that shred of doubt because if there's one team to come back from insurmountable odds, it's Liverpool. We've made of we've that's that's what our living's on. Yeah, you got a history of that, but yeah, like also like another thing, um, Mane needs to step up. I think if he can step I up, agree. then they they actually have a good shot. But because he hasn't really been the same player we've seen the past two years, so. That, that's one other I thing agree. I wanted to say because he's been disappointing. When Mane's on top form, he's actually unplayable. Exactly. Well, Mane, someone, I don't know, but he hasn't scored a lot no. whatsoever. No, he's been, he's been on a very cold streak. And to be fair, I don't blame him because a player like Mane, especially in Klopp's system, he does track back a lot. He does a lot of defensive work. And in Klopp's system, I mean, we all know Firmino, Firmino basically plays center mid the, uh, half the game because he likes to get the ball at his feet, make things happen, but he tracks back a lot too. So I feel like, especially with our, with our, our, our defense being weakened, he feels like it's his, his, his job, it's his responsibility to help on defense, which limits him in attack. But I would love for him to try and, try, try and be the money of 16-17, of 17-18, or of 18-19, the amount... He shared the golden boot with Salah and Aubameyang. He has the capability to score, and he scores good goals, too. That back heel against Walford, that chip over Ben Foster, made me scream. He has the quality. It's just about getting in that right mindset and saying, our fans need this. Our manager needs this. We need this. It's time for us to step up and take what's ours. All right, so we've covered that first fixture. Now let's move on to Barcelona PSG. This is the one that's going to be, oh my God, it's Barca PSG, two, two heavyweights of European football. But I don't think it's going to be that good of a game in terms of goals, in terms of the flashiness. Number one, PSG, Neymar's out, which is kind of crazy because he's, 
one of their he's obviously one of their best players, but I think everybody was tuning in just to see what he'd do against his former team, Barcelona. I don't know if he's going to be back in time for the second leg, but for this first leg, he's definitely not playing. And I feel like that's going to hinder PSG's attacking capabilities a lot. And also, PSG's second in uh, league in right now. But to be fair, they just got a new manager, Mauricio Pochettino, who has been in the final, who knows how to get to the final. And he's a quality manager. And but he's just gotten here very recently. I don't know if he can translate what he's done with Tottenham to PSG that quick. But he's a quality manager and he has quality players. So I'm very excited to see what's going to happen. Yeah, I think that this fixture, I agree, it's not, it's not going to be well played. I think it's going to be a pretty scrappy affair, contrary to how these teams traditionally play. And the, the, because Pochettino is still figuring things out at PSG. I mean, Mbappe is playing well. He's the link scorer in Ligue 1 right now. But and Barcelona have played a lot better as of late than compared to the they've game. been on really good form lately. Yes, very like stupendous form. I mean, they just lost in the Copa del Rey to Sevilla, but this past week. But I Coleman's got some sort of tactical identity nailed down. I mean, Messi's been playing a lot better recently too. Ricky Puig has been playing. Uh, Busquets has been playing better. Um, Griezmann has actually been scoring goals. Um, <laughs> So, Surprise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, hey, I mean, I guess it's those black Barcelona jerseys. He just feels that. He turns up when they wear the black and gold. I think that this tie is going to come down to who out of Messi or Mbappe is the better player. Because I think Mbappe has gotten to that stage where he is not like, obviously, I mean, I think Messi is the greatest player of all time. But Mbappe is a world-class player. He's one of the best players in the world, and he can lead a team. And not in last year's Champions League final, but I don't think that was his fault. But he's, he's shooting against a brick wall in Neuer, so I don't really put that much blame on him. And, but I think it's going to come down to who's better out of the two. And while I think PSG are going to be very, very good under Pochettino in the future, I mean, he used to be at the club. Like, he he's dedicated to making them good. I mean, his contract's only a year and a half, but I think they're going to, in that year and a half, they're going to improve a lot, but I can't bet against Messi. And I, so I think Messi will be the X factor and drag Barcelona clawingly, despite everything going against him, <laughs> Barcelona too. Cause he, just, because he, you know, who knows if this is going to be his last season. And I don't think he wants to go out in the round of 16. I agree. I just want to go over my uh, key players for both teams really quick. Uh, for PSG, I did put Neymar, but he, obviously he's injured, so I'm not going to count that one. But I feel like a lot of weight is going to be on Mbappe's shoulders. But of a, a player of his quality at that age, he has no problem. Just see what he did to Argentina in the World Cup. He scored a brace. He, has, he shows up in big games. He's got that capability. And with uh, my second player who I want to pick out of the lot, Marco Verratti in the midfield, He's a metronome. He's comparable to, say, Luka Modric, not in terms of that world-class quality, but, but Verratti's class, and he has that nice eye for the pass. He knows how to link up the play, and he's also very good and defensive. And my third player is uh, Marquinhos, because Marquinhos has been very, very good for uh, PSG, picking up the slack when uh, Thiago Silva left for Chelsea this season. He also chips in with a few goals in there. He's a very good uh, header of the ball. And my, t- my three key players for Barcelona 
has to be uh, Clement Lingley in the defense because he's been pretty good. He's actually been very good this season, but it all depends on who's partnering with him because if you watch that Sevilla game uh, in the Copa del Rey, Umtiti had a nightmare. He was at fault for both goals. So I want to see maybe they slot in uh, Araujo, but I'm pretty sure he was hurt, or um, uh, Mingueza, but Mingueza is kind of like a Sergio Roberto who'll play in the midfield, who'll play right back, he'll play center back. So we'll see how he's being used. Obviously, Leo Messi is another key player because, come on, it's Messi. He's got the ability to make something out of nothing. And he's carried Barcelona by the scruff of their neck when he has to. And uh, Frankie de Jong, because Frankie de Jong is also, at a very young age, really making that midfield his own. So those are my three uh, key players for both teams. And Barcelona was on equal points with Juve in their group, but they had a very good uh, group stage showing. They, to be fair, they did have uh, pretty favorable teams, except for Juve, obviously. And PSG also was tied first on points with uh, Leipzig. And they had a bit of a tougher group, having to play Leipzig and Manchester United. But obviously, they made it out. So I, they have the quality. And in terms of this fixture, I really don't think it's going to be a 5-4 or another remontada like what happened last time these two teams played. But this isn't, it's not going to be a, a showstopper. But I really think that it's going to be about who wants it more. Who has the heart? Who's willing to put their, their life on the line for the badge in terms of when it goes down to those final minutes, needing a goal, needing to defend? I'm really excited to see how both defenses hold up, how the midfields hold up. And Barca, with, their, uh, with Ronald Koeman uh, instituting all those youth players like Ilex Moriba, R- Ricky Puig, uh, Ronald Arrojo, uh, Oscar Mingueza, all of them. Uh, Trincao is in the goals now with a brace on the weekend against Alaves. I'm really excited to see how uh, Komen picks his team, not only, but how they perform, especially the youngsters. Yeah, um, I, th- I think Barcelona a month ago uh, would be a very different story. But uh, recently they've been playing exceptional football, um, bar that game against Sevilla, I guess. But um, they've been on a roll. Um, the young players are really starting to fit in. I think... That was what was lacking in the beginning of the season where they were trying to play all these young stars. But, you know, when you're coming in one game and sending out the next and coming back in, it's hard to really perform um, consistently. So giving them time, uh, they've performed really well now. And I, I think Komen's vision is coming in. Um, and I think Messi is kind of enjoying his football more now as well. Like he's kind of gotten over that whole summer fiasco and he's, he's playing the way you expect Messi to play, right? Um, and yeah, the help with Griezmann as well. So I think it's working really well for Barcelona right now. Um, they have a few injuries, but I don't think any of them is going to really affect the game where it'll turn the tide into PSG's favor. Uh, whereas when you look at PSG, when you're losing players like Neymar, Di Maria as well, um, Verratti as well is doubtful, but I'm pretty sure he's going to play. So yeah, I think Barcelona definitely ha- are the favorites and I expect them to win. Um, to a close game, maybe a 2-1, 3-2 um, at max. But um, yeah, I, I think PSG could exploit their defense by getting Mbappe to run behind. Um, you know, that obviously like he does so well. So if he can do that well against the inexperienced Mingueza, um, I think they have a good shot. But other than that, I really don't see PSG really having a shot at this with Barcelona's current form. 
agree with you as much as I hate to see me hate to say this, but I think that <laughs> Barcelona is going to advance um, because there's a lot of um, Di Maria is also missing from the PSG squad. Um, they do have like um, Kane and Icardi, but I don't think recently with uh, Pochettino, if he can get them working well um, in quick time. Um, so I think maybe like a 2-1 win for Barcelona. Unfortunately, that's what I'm saying. Hmm. Although I'd love to see, uh, who knows, if Barca goes through, that means we can, and if Real goes through, we can get a Clasico. And you know, Clasico in the Champions League always goes in Barca's favor. Does, that's true. Uh, yeah, you Bar- don't need to tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I really do not want to see a Clasico right now, I don't think the game has the same appeal as it used to. But Definitely not. You know, but it's still. a Champions League, a Clasico, that. That's definitely- there's always going to be fireworks. Yeah. If Real Madrid go through versus Atalanta, I, I I think it's going to be harder than most people think, which we will get to later. Yeah, we will but- get to that. All right. So I think we wrapped up Barcelona PSG, unless anyone wants to add something. So our next fixture, a little bit underwhelming on the face, but I still think it's got potential. It's FC Porto versus Juve. Porto right now are second in Liga Nos, and they finished second in their CL group, which contains City, but was a very favorable group for them and definitely Man City, but we'll get to that later. And uh, I think three play, three key players that'll stand out is uh, Luis Diaz, the Colombian winger, electrifying pace, good eye for goal, scored a very good goal against Man City at, at the Etihad in the Champions League. Uh, Jesus uh, Tecatico uh, Corona, star boy, I love that man. He's got unbelievable skill, dribbling, passing, and he does pop in, he does chip in with a goal, but his his assist is very, uh, very important to Porto's game. And uh, this might be a, a little bit of a random shot, but Pepe, uh, the Portuguese center back, but then he's been in these circumstances. He's been far in the Champions League before, obviously with Real Madrid, but just because he's growing older in age doesn't mean he hasn't lost any of the quality or the mindset to be in this position. And uh, for Juve, right now, they're a little bit on lopsided form Serie A. They're fourth, which is a little bit different to what we're used to because we're used to Juve being a the Serie A being a one-horse race, but with Andrea Pirlo as manager, they're still trying to warm up to him, still trying to get on terms with the way he wants to play. But obviously, when you have a player like Cristiano Ronaldo, Mr. Champions League in your team, I think you put your money on Juventus in this fixture. So my key, my uh, top three players that are uh, in this fixture, definitely Ronaldo. I think uh, Leonardo Benucci deserves a shot because he's a very good center back and he's a very good leader of the team. And you have him leading the defense and Ronaldo top leading the attack. That's a very, it's a very good thing to have. And uh, Paulo Dybala, masterful, masterful talent. He knows how to read the game. He knows how to play. So silky, so skillful. Chips in with really good goals from time to time. And him and Ronaldo, if they link up, you know, can be very dangerous. Yeah. I think. Um, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I'm just on that. Like Dybala is kind of doubtful, I believe. But another shout for another player would probably be Morata. I mean, I believe he has six goals in the Champions League. He actually so, had a really good form in Champions League. Yeah, um, this man has been going off to say. And also, uh, what's his name? Bentacor? Yeah, he's, he's, been, uh, he's been having a fun time in the middle. So I think he's going to uh, liven that up a little for Juventus. Those are good shouts, actually. Thank you. Yeah, Juventus, um, like to me, I haven't really enjoyed watching their games this season. Um, they never have a very exciting style of play. Um, you know, Italian football is a bit more building from the back and just being patient and getting the chance when you can. Um, 
And, you know, I, just, I, I would prefer if Ronaldo had more shots like how he did at Real Madrid, right? But they're still one of the best teams in the world. Um, you know, they've had a tough start to the season, but with a new manager like Pirlo, who's kind of inexperienced as well, like, you're going to, it's going to take some time to, to build that um, consistency. So I think you'd be crazy to not pick Juventus in this matchup. Um, Porto are a good team. But I just don't think they have what it takes to beat a team like Juventus, who have depth as well. Um, Porto's also without one of their main players, Otavio, um, who's been a Brazilian winger. Yeah, he's he's, he's I know very he's, good. he's uh, caught the eye of Manchester City as well. So um, losing him would be it, it's 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 really hard for them to really overcome that. So um, I don't think anyone really is expecting Porto to go through. I would love to see uh, a surprise in this match because I think this is one of those of course. matchups that could see one, but uh, because Juventus have a tough time coming back, uh, as you saw against uh, Ajax like a few years ago as well. So I- I'm still going to pick um, Juventus, but I'd love to see Porto give them a run for their money. But yeah, th- losing the ball is another thing that will hurt them and Arter as well, who's hasn't been great, but he does help the team a lot in midfield. So, yeah, losing those players is going to hurt, but I still think Juventus have got this in the bag. I just want to chip in really quick. In terms of uh, Juve style of play, it's also very reminiscent of what was what uh, Pirlo was known for in his playing career. Very calm, very calm. Not rushing into the attack, trying to build from the back, trying to read the game as much as you can before you make a move. And with the amount of quality they have on the wings, especially uh, Douglas Costa, I'm not Douglas Costa, sorry, Juan Cuadrado, who's filling in at right back this season, but as we know, loves to bomb forward, has incredible dribbling skill and can get a really good cross in. And when you have a target man like Ronaldo, that's just a perfect combination. But I think also with their defense, in terms of Mateus De Ligt, another really good center back, I've, they have a really strong foundation in the back, especially with uh, Wojciech Szczesny in, in between the sticks because he's a class keeper. I think Juve will have a, a dominant display in this game, but it would be... Uh, rather unfair to uh, discount Porto because obviously this is a Champions League. Anything can happen over two legs. All you need is an away goal. All you need is a little something just to take to the next leg, say, oh yeah, we got this, we got this. And a team like Porto, especially in the group stage and the games against City, they didn't roll over considering City were, oh, they have Pep Guardiola, oh, they have a world-class team. They took it to City. They were winning against City in the Etihad before City came back. They have the quality to snag one or two against Juve. I'm really excited to see how they'll do against this tough team because they've only played one other, uh, I'd say, top team in the Champions League, which was Man City. But with uh, quality players like Luis Diaz, uh, Jesus Corona, they have Felipe Anderson coming off the bench, who's capable of the, uh, a very good play. Uh, I think they can – I don't think they'll roll over. I think it'll be a much uh, tighter affair, but I still see uh, Juventus uh, running away with it in the end. Yeah, I agree. I think if Porto were playing better in the league this season, I would maybe give them more credit because obviously Juventus. But like Sporting is running away with the Portuguese league right now, I think by eight points. And I think if Porto can't, you know, keep up with that, I don't see them beating Juventus. And also you have an American. So, you know, (laughs) imperialism, brah, brah. Um, so Weston McKinney is going to, you know, get a hat trick in both legs, you know. <laughs> Love this guy. <laughs> but on the real though, yeah, I've like, I've been, haven't been big on uh, UV at all. I mean, this is Pirlo's, people often forget, this is Pirlo's first ever coaching job 
at the yeah. uh, like he, he had, top level. Yeah, he has even less experience than Frank Lampard did, and which is <laughs> I think that you know it won't be a pretty match, but I think when you have you know Ronaldo, you have uh, Kuzlevski. I think that's how you say his name. Kuzlevski, Kuzlevski, something like that. The 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 Swedish winger. I've never heard a Swedish name. I know he's Swedish. I haven't heard a Swedish name like that. But I I think you just have like way too much talent for Porto's back line and they're they're going to sure, yeah. I feel like no matter what team you are, if if you're facing Ronaldo, you automatically think, damn, they got Ronaldo. They already got a they already got, got a, like a, a mental step over and especially with Cristiano's mindset, this is his competition. Yep. I don't think there's anyone as as dominant as him in this. He lives for Champions League nights. He lives for the he lives for that trophy. Well, Ronaldo has fallen off cliffs though. I mean, like he he's not the player that he used to be whatsoever. I agree with you, but I don't like the fact that like Ronaldo was in FIFA's team of the year is honestly pathetic. Like Ronaldo hasn't done anything in note for like two or three years. Like I like if we're being honest with ourselves. And I mean he's Probably the greatest pure goal scorer of all time, but I I honestly put him in in at the top of the goat conversation with Messi just behind. I used to not think so earlier in my life because I hated Real Madrid purely because they win the Champions League every season. <laughs> but but really, uh, especially since especially that final uh, in Kiev against Liverpool. But that wasn't Ronaldo didn't really have a say in that game because Trent was pocketing him. Not being biased here, but uh, he was. I feel like I feel like no matter what, even if Ronaldo's forty five, you're still gonna say, Oh, he's gonna score today. He's just got that quality. He's got everything in his locker in terms of pure skill, pure technique, uh incredible, incredible heading, incredible shooting. I feel like no matter what, you'd put your chips on Ronaldo, despite him being a little bit lackluster less of the man we knew we knew and loved when he was at Real or loved him or hate him, you would be idiotic not to recognize his quality. But I feel like this is when this is for this is the time where Ronaldo says, All right, I'm stepping up. This is my time. We saw that against Atletico when they were down by three or down by two in the first leg. What does Ronaldo do? He scores a hat trick. This is what this is him. This is in his DNA. I think to be honest with you, I would really like Porto to see this get away with this, but I feel like Ronaldo is going to run right, in my opinion. Agreed. If, if one thing's for sure is that Ronaldo on a, a UCL match day, he will show up. I can tell you that from my experience, he will show up no matter what. Even if it's just an assist, it will be the most beautiful assist that you've ever seen. If it's a bicycle kick, it will be the bicycle kick. But I'm just, he will show up. And I'd love to see Porto one, but I don't think it's happening. Exactly, me too. Anybody have any more talking points on this fixture? No, I, I think this fixture is pretty clear and obvious. Yeah. So I think we're all agreeing on Juve. For sure. For sure. I'm agreeing on Juve, but I would love an upset because that's why we love that's why we love football. You can't no matter what, we can't write off Porto until we see that first leg. Have we disagreed on anything yet? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't but think so. I feel like there's there's still a couple more fixtures we can disagree on, maybe. We'll see. There's a couple. I'll disagree that I'll say a Real Madrid will lose just to get a reaction, even though I know they're not going <laughs> to lose. But hey, we'll get to that. 
I don't know about that one. I, I, yeah, they, I, that's what I'm saying. We might get to that we'll, because we'll, we'll I don't save know if that. I push over. We'll save that. <laughs> so the last fixture of uh, uh, this week is going to be Sevilla versus Dortmund. And right now, Sevilla are playing really, really nice football. They're fourth in La Liga right now, which is when you, when you, when you think La Liga, you think Real Madrid, you think uh, Barcelona. But this season has been very, very tight. Atletico seem to be running away with it, but Real Madrid and Barca are starting to get a foothold again. And Sevilla are, right, are waiting right behind them. Sevilla right now, um, I'd say their three key players definitely would be uh, Alejandro uh, Papu Gomez. They just signed him, and he scored a worldie on his debut. You can never write him off. I feel like I, I know there was like a falling out between uh, uh, Gasparini and uh, uh, Gomez for him to leave, but I still I would have if I was Gasparini I would I would have done anything to keep Papu Gomez in my team because even at his age the amount of work he did for Atalanta the amount of times he put them on his back of course they had other really class players but I think Gomez is such a good talent and another uh, really good player on the wing is uh, Lucas Ocampos. The Argentinian winger, he's capable of playing on the left and right. He's chipped in with some very nice goals, some very good assists, very good wing play. And uh, my third player is Jules Kunde, the young French center back. He's really come to his own in that position. He also plays on the right sometimes. He's a really good system player, really good pass for the ball, and he can chip in with a goal. Just watched uh, that goal he scored against uh, Barcelona a couple of days where he absolutely skinned Untiti. I think in terms of class, Sevilla is just a really well-rounded team. Their defense is very nice. They have uh, Diego Carlos at center back as well, who's a very good player. And Jesus Navas, who at his age is still the captain of the side. And at that uh, old age, I'm pretty sure it's 34. Don't quote me on that. But he's still got electrifying pace, and he knows how to make things happen on that right flank. And then when we switch over to Dortmund, Dortmund have been, really, have been on a very downward spiral in terms of league form, but they did finish top of their group. And... Um, when you have a player of Holland's quality, I'm pretty sure it was like 49 goals in 50 games, which is absolutely ridiculous, especially at his, at his age. He's world-class, and he can make anything happen. You give him the ball at his feet, and he'll make something happen. I'd say the three key players, in my opinion, for Dortmund would be uh, Holland, Jaden Sancho, who's really starting to get form after a shaky end to the 2020. He started chipping with some goals. I think he's got four goals and four shifts so far this year. And uh, Axel Witzel, although I think he might be uh, – is he injured? I didn't double check. He no, is. I think he's fit. Oh. He's fit. He is? He is yeah. yeah, he's fit. Okay. He's a very good. Uh, he really makes that midfield his own, especially that pairing with him. He, either he plays with Embry Chan or uh, Delaney. He's a really good defensive player, and he knows how to get the ball forward for the, his stars, Marco Royce, Sancho, uh, Highland. He gives them the ball for them to create something. He's a really good backbone player, and he's got a lot of quality, and he'll chip in with a goal or two. I think this is going to be probably my most um, enjoyable fixture to watch, seeing how these two teams are very even on paper in terms of their starting 11s. But when you look at league form, you will, I think you put your chips on Sevilla. Yeah, I, I would do that. Um, I, I think Dortmund, they're, they're a really good side on paper, but they haven't really translated that into games recently. Um, and obviously now they have new coach coming in. Um, from uh, Gladbach, uh, Marco Rose. He just agreed to to switch over. Wait, he did? Um, yeah. 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 They reported today. It was confirmed this morning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've been on the internet the whole. Oh my god. Yeah. So, so they're definitely prepping for next season. I think next season they're definitely gonna come back way stronger. Oh, Marco uh, Rose is the sexiest man in Bundesliga, and 
I mean, the man is a fashion icon, so yeah. I mean, and he's a really good coach too. So like, I think, I think they, that's, a, that's a very good choice by Dortmund. So he's got the whole um, package. I mean, it's a whole. It's just Germany, right? Like they just have the best looking managers. I mean, you got Nagelsmann, you got Nagelsmann's pretty paying. I can't lie. Yeah. So you got all these guys, you know. So I think it's a German yeah, thing, but. Go back to sorry, sorry. No, oh no, no, my bad, my bad. Uh, I was just saying, go back to the game. Uh, I think Haaland, if he is having a slow game, Dortmund are out. Uh, there's, I agree. For them. Uh, he is the guy. He's like the, the Messi of Dortmund, right? Like if he's not performing, the team struggles. So, um, and their defense is good, but it's not as good as it used to be. Like Hummels just doesn't have the base as he used to. So, um. I think they're going to have a tough time with Sevilla who like I've seen them play against Chelsea this season and they should have won like easily against Chelsea because Chelsea was struggling bad. Did you, did you draw both of those fixtures? I think we did. Yeah. As far as I remember. Um, yeah. They, they, they really gave us a run for our money. And that was when we were actually playing well too. This was like early in the season when we were like pretty uh, like, you know, on all legs. So I think Sevilla have energy they've got a good mixture of young stars and experience like players like Rakitic uh, Fernando as well um you've got players who never re- quite like reached their potential but Suso who's still who can still give in like some good performances um and yeah I think I think it would be hard for me to see Dortmund really coming out of this um with a win but you know Dortmund surprises you so I'd love to see it I love Holland so I just want him to score a lot um but yeah, I, I I think Sevilla's got this in the bag because their recent run form is it's really good to see. Yeah, I'd have I wanna, to agree with you. Yeah, I want to add a really quick. Sorry, you can go ahead. No, yeah, I, I well first just wanted to apologize for interrupting, bro, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think Sevilla is a squad of like absolute ballers. I mean, Jules Conde. I mean, the goal he scored against Barcelona last week was crazy for a defender it's just insane you're talking about like a, the most underrated center back pairing in Europe it might be Sevilla with Diego Carlos and Jules I agree Diego but Carlos is so good they Diego are, Carlos and Kunde have been immense immense together and what and they also I'm surprised no one mentioned they also have the La Liga uh, January player of the month mm-hmm. um, which uh, El, El Nestri right? Yus- or, yeah Yusuf El Nestri he's actually yeah. he's, he's a really good striker he's got a Thirteen goals. He's, he's got a really goofy frame in terms of he's kind of skinny. He's tall, but he's a really good target man. He's a really he's a really good uh, he's a really good striker. I feel like he doesn't get uh, much of the limelight as much because mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie. Sevilla Sevilla has a lot of uh, has a lot of tackers. They got a lot of nice ballers in that team. Yeah. But when you when you think of Yusuf Elmasiri, I think goals. He's a very good striker. He gets the ball at his feet. He knows how to make things happen, and especially with the dynamic winger uh, duo of Ocampos and Suso, they're definitely going to feed the ball to him. Yeah, and he ha- and Sevilla have won their past six games, so they are in very hot form. Last season's Europa League winner, so they know how to win in a tournament setting under Lopetegui. I, I mean, I think all signs are pointing to Sevilla going through, as well as Rebont. You touched on it with Holland. If Holland doesn't score, Dortmund don't score. In all competitions this season, only one other player has more than five goals, and that's Sancho, which is six. So no one besides them two have more than five goals, which is absolutely so. That just goes to show you his quality. I think Sevilla. I think it's honestly pretty clear that Sevilla will go through because also like Marco Royce hasn't been playing well. Mm-hmm. Diarena has been been playing well. I 
Sevilla is going to go through. Definitely. Hard to disagree with you on that. I'd love to. I know, but but I just really think that you know, with play, when you have a player of Royce's pedigree and quality, when you have Sancho's unreal skill, when you have Holland's goal scoring threat, I really think that Dortmund Dortmund know that their backs are against the wall right now. They're not performing in the league. Bayern Bayern and Leipzig are running away with it. I feel like they have to put all their eggs in this basket, and I feel like. If we're talking direct route one football. You have one of the best target men slash get in behind strikers in the world in Holland. They give him the ball. He can make something happen. But on the flip side with Sevilla, if Diego Carlos, if we're, if we're talking about just aerial presence in general, Kunde is not going to beat uh, Holland in the air, at least in my opinion. Kunde is like 5'10", mm-hmm. which is pretty short for a center back, but he's got legs on him. He can chase down Holland. But that's why I feel like when you have a, such a good partnership between Carlos and Kunde, I feel like C- Carlos is going to be there. He wants you don't want Kunde to attack Holland, get their front front foot first, and if he gets past Kunde, he still got to get past Diego Carlos. And when Sevilla is attacking, I feel like they're going to make sure they direct their energy towards Matt Tomos because he does not have the pace anymore. If they get a through ball in behind, he's not going to catch up. But on the flip side, also. They have uh, Akanji, who's been playing pretty good, and he's got the pace. So I feel like it's really going to be a game about who's going to pick each other out first, who's going to figure out the game plan first. Because if Sevilla start hit, uh, running on all engines, it's going to be tough for Dorman to even get anything out of this game. But if Holland's on form, if Sancho's creating, if Royce is creating, Dorman have a pretty good shot in this game. But for me, I really think it's going to be Sevilla. Yeah, they definitely got the talent, but I just don't think they can do it with the current run form. And especially, they don't even have the number one goalkeeper. Like, Roman Berkey's mm-hmm. injured, so that's another thing that's going to hurt them. So, yeah, I, I, and they're playing away from home. I think it's really going to be a tough challenge for them. I agree. Uh, I was about to mention on the goalkeeper thing. Um, Sevilla's goalie, uh, Yasin Bono, has been amazing He's been uh, for very these good. last few weeks. A big shout for, like, maybe even goalkeeper of the year. Um, and Berkey's out, so that's that's also going to be a game decider for me, too. But I see Seville taking it. Yeah, Yasin Bono had a really good uh, showing in the Copa del Rey against Barcelona. He's a really good keeper. I really thought uh, the Czech goalkeeper, I'm pretty sure, uh, uh, Valchich, I don't know how to pronounce his name. He was he was their number one. He got sent back to the bench. That's how immense Bono's been, especially since Bono was there just there, was just a Europa League keeper, just their cup competition keeper. But in the, especially in that final, he made that number one spot his, and he's a very, very good keeper. 